Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Parent Q Live. Carlos Whitaker here with my great co-host Kristen Ivy. So good to be here today, another, Carlos. Another podcast. Another podcast. We're another becoming day. professionals at this. <laughs> um, and speaking of professionals, today we actually get to talk to some true professionals. Uh, today, our special guests on the show are Sissy Goff and David Thomas. Uh, they are from Nashville, Tennessee, and they are counselors and therapists at a wonderful, wonderful place in Nashville called Daystar. And Daystar is a uh, counseling center for children. And so everybody that I know that knows of Daystar in Nashville, Tennessee, absolutely loves them. They do incredible, incredible things for um the kids in Nashville, Tennessee, and so my kids as well, um, and even for parents as well, for you know parents of my my kids, which is me, uh, they've done great things for me as well. So I love that I got to interview my friends, uh, David and Sissy Goff. Sissy's also written eight books. David's written eight books as well. Maybe not eight books. I don't know if he's maybe he's written. I, I, they co-write a lot of books together. So David, I'm going to give you two extra books because I think you've only written six. Uh, but nonetheless, their latest book is called. Are my kids on track? Uh, I love that. I mean, that title. That's the question, right? That's the question, right? Like, every parent is thinking, what's wrong with my kid? Yeah, or you want to know. I mean, are my kids on track? Are they normal? Are they, they, you know, where they should be? Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. We we not only want to know if our kids are on track, but we want to know if we're on track. Um, yeah, so I have some As ideas parents, about do, that. Do you? Yeah, because we get we get in the phase project this unique opportunity to talk to parents all the time. Ah. All the time. And so I thought it'd be fun to play a little game with our parents today and just go, hey, if you've ever wondered if yes. you're on track as oh a parent, uh, we have some ideas about that. Now, me and Carlos, we don't have like a... A PhD or a LPC None. or no. letters after or our ABC, names. Nothing. Nothing like Dave and Sissy. So nope. they're the professionals yep. about are your kids we'll on track? We'll talk to them about that. This is a non professional list of ideas of if you're on track. Right. And this is not as researched and as smart as Dave and Sissy. Not, not at all. But you may get just as much out of this, Kristen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just started thinking through a list of, you know, the conversations I have with other parents. Yeah. Uh, what does it look like to be on track? I'll just say this. If, if you have not broken down crying for no reason whatsoever, oh. then you're not on track as the parent of a newborn baby. No, you're, no, no, you're not. You, you've not realized that the world is run by exhausted individuals. <laughs> That's just the truth. And if you have a car that does not have stuff all over the floorboard, I'm talking toys, things you didn't know if they're yours or they belong to someone else, crumbs from things, whatever. If your car doesn't look like that, you're not on track as the parent of an elementary school kid. French fries that are three years old that look exactly like the day you purchased them. That's so scary. But it's true. That's so scary. You learn some things as a parent. Yeah, you do. Like fries don't age. (laughs) They don't at all. Oh, what, what's wrong with those fries that they don't oh, age? Shouldn't don't they grow know. some mold? I don't know. That's, oh, that makes me nervous. I know, me too. If you haven't even considered researching some kind of tracking device oh. for your kid, you're not on track as the parent of a high schooler. You're absolutely not. Uh, handcuffs are available. <laughs> Whatever you need to... Uh, if you haven't thought about these things... Yeah, you know, if you at, at least at haven't point, thought about it. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't started carrying wet wipes with you, places like... A meeting at work, right. <laughs> you may not be on track as the parent of a toddler. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree. Also, as a parent of a toddler, now I don't have a toddler, but, but I remember this. If you haven't accidentally, when you're in a grown-up meeting, said that you're going potty, <laughs> then you're not, 
You're not on track. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't questioned your own sanity, uh, you're not the parent of a middle schooler. You're not on track as the parent of a middle schooler. Absolutely. Yeah. These are all very, very good. I guess, uh, yeah. what are we looking Dave and for? Sissy, we could write the next book if you're listening to this <laughs> intro. Yeah. These are fantastic. <laughs> the, these are fantastic. But our friends, we do want to get you into some people with correct three letters be, behind their names Absolutely. that are going to be maybe a little bit more skilled and knowledgeable in some of this information. Not that you weren't, Kristen. <laughs> not that you weren't. Uh, but I had a blast hanging out with Sissy and David. So for you guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Dave and sissy. Okay, friends, I am sitting here in a podcast studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I, I say that because it just feels a little bit more official to be in a podcast studio with my great friends, Dave Thomas and Sissy Goff. How are you guys? We're good. So Glad excited to, be, with to you. be here with you. I'm so excited that we're finally getting to this. We've been wanting to do this for a while now, and we're finally going to Sit down and have our listeners, hopefully many parents across not only the country but the world, trying to figure out this big question. And the question is this, and I'll just do this from personal experience. A, what is wrong with my child and are they on track? (laughs) Are they on track to make it in life? Okay, are they on track? Um, So the, the title of your book is Are My Kids On Track? Yes. And um, we're going to dive into that. But before we even get into that book, I'd love for you guys to maybe introduce yourselves and let us get to know you a little bit. We'll start with you, Dave. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, uh, and where you do what you do. Okay. I'm a therapist and an author and a dad and a husband. I was trying to think of all my roles and a dog owner. There's several. (laughs) Um, But Sissy and I have the opportunity to work at this amazing place called Daystar Counseling Ministries here in Nashville, where we work with kids from 5 to 18. And we do that in a really different way. We work in a house rather than an office. Mm. We have dogs who are part of our practice, the most sought-after counselors in our office, actually, are canines. (laughs) And uh, we we work with kids individually in groups. We do family counseling. And then we do, the two of us do a lot of what we call parent consultations, which is a bit like a well visit uh-huh. with a pediatrician, uh-huh. which is a part of where we get a lot of those, what's wrong? Yep. Mm-hmm. Are we on track? Does this sound normal kind of questions? Yes, absolutely. So that's maybe a big picture snapshot. And then yeah. I have three kids, three teenagers wow. in my house. All of yeah. the time. Yeah. There's so much to be said about living with three teenagers. We'll stop there. <laughs> okay. No, that's amazing. And Sissy, so you're you're part of the same ministry. Yes. I started working at Dacer in 1993 as okay. an intern from Vanderbilt. And wow. so have been there ever since and working primarily with girls and love, like David said. I just feel so honored and privileged to get to be where I am and doing what I do. And, mm. and Dacer is such a unique place to get to do counseling and we talk a lot about probably my favorite quote ever about daystar is a little girl who left with her mom and she said you know mom i don't really go to daystar for counseling i just go to talk about my problems oh which is good yeah just so much who we're trying to be in the lives of kids and getting to do this great work of coming alongside them and and getting to work with our dogs is pretty awesome yes with your dogs is pretty awesome and uh and and i'll go ahead and interject here that 
um, all three of my kids have been part of your ministry. Um, and it's not just my kids, it's my whole family. It really is our whole entire family that gets to be part of the ministry. Um, you guys have a camp that we send our kids to as well. And, you know, we, we send the kids away. Uh, you know, I tell some of my friends, yeah, they go to camp. It's part of their counseling kind of ministry. And they're like, they go to therapy camp, you know? <laughs> and then and then my kids come back and, and I'm like, no, you, you everyone needs to send their kids to this camp. Because I feel like my kids accelerate in their lives by a year when they go to this thing. It's called Hopetown. Can, can you just maybe give us a little background on, on Hopetown as well? Yes. It, I um, get to be at Hopetown all summer, which is amazing to get to spend your summer out on a boat and yes. riding bikes with kids. But I think it's such a picture of the way that Melissa, our director and founder at Daystar, kind of started the whole ministry. She talks a lot about, um, again, as we're going along, and, and she has this great great quote that she says, to the degree that kids can predict you, they'll dismiss you, mm. which is part of why we're in the house at Daystar during the year. But also yeah. our camp, we talk a lot about so many of our best conversations with kids happen out on a boat or happen riding beside them on a tube when you're yeah. going slow, something like that. And so it's so relational, but there just is so much teaching um, really rooted in great scripture. And mm. Melissa does all the teaching. And and so the kids, it's very, it's only 25 to 30 kids per camp. And so they are sharing so much of about their lives, but meeting God in this place where they're honest and vulnerable and it feels really safe at the same time. Yeah. So we get to see a lot of great movement and have yeah. a lot of amazing kids like the Whitakers. Like the Whitakers. They're a part of it. Yes. yes. Well, the Whitakers love it. Um, Dave, what, what, made, what made you start getting into this? Like, like wanting to counsel kids specifically. Well, what's, what, what kind of led you there and then what's kept you there? It's mm, a great question. I, I would say I, I have always loved the idea of working with kids. Mm. And and I think I have circled around a lot of the different vocations that would involve being with kids. I thought for a little while I might sure. want to be a pediatrician uh-huh. and then remembered I'm terrible at math and science, so I threw that <laughs> out. And then thought maybe I need to teach school, tried that for a little period of time and did not love the curriculum but did love being with kids. And mm-hmm. I think there was just so much about this profession that felt like a marriage of a lot of those things. Yeah. But I think... So much of it has to do with everything Sissy just said. The way we approach that work is so different. Yeah. I mean, the fact that my day could look like taking a dog on a walk with an amazing eight-year-old boy and yeah. having a conversation about his life. Like, yeah. I just, I, I really do pinch myself and think, I can't believe I get to do this yeah. and do this in this place, this yeah. kind of work. So good. Sissy, um, I'll ask you that a little bit differently. Um, what what are some of the things specifically at Daystar, kind of like Dave was talking about? I know you guys even do like small groups. My kids would love to go to your small groups. And um, it looks different than what somebody maybe listening to this podcast would think um, therapy or counseling would look like. What, what are some things that Daystar does that really keeps you uh, grounded in this is the place I want to work? Gosh, there are so many things that would answer that. But but you're right. It does look very different. And we're really specific, even as we're doing the bulk of the training, the younger counselors now, as we're getting so much older. <laughs> and there are things like we never take notes in front of a child. Mm. I mean, we just try to keep it out of a clinical. We yeah. are very much our training is that way. Sure. And we approach things that way. But But kids are so fearful about going to counseling that we want it to feel really safe and comfortable and disarming. And so that's where the relational piece of it comes in. But I think the other thing for me, and we could talk about this at length, you know, in this post 13 reasons why right now where we are counseling, I think is changing. David and I would say, and part of even why we wrote this last book is 
it's changed more in the last three to five years than in the 20 something years we've both been counseling yeah in really concerning ways where kids are going and and I remember when I first started at Daystar one of the things somebody said is that an underlying principle of Daystar was that nothing is ever so bad in your life that you can't give back. And when we get really concerned about kids is when they start to believe they don't matter anymore. And so we have this built in whole mechanism of what we do, ministry of what we do, where kids come through Daystar and it becomes their safe place. And so often they're kids who get missed in youth group who aren't a part of something bigger. And so they become a part of groups and that kind of thing. But then they have opportunities to give back. So we have kids who serve on leadership for smaller groups and camps with the younger kids. And so they are receiving help, but they're also getting to really experience that their life makes a difference somewhere else. And I think it can stop that it can become so introspective that it can feed sometimes the whole problem. And so that just constantly keeps this cycle of I'm receiving. I mean, we give out of what we receive, I mean, even spiritually. And so it feels like that's just a part of our whole model of counseling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really bottom line, one of my favorite parts of what we get to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. No, I I love that. Um, Speaking of of 13 Reasons Why, and and, and really, I mean, I, I think it does lead into the conversation with your book, Are My Kids on Track? A lot of parents are... Um, uh, you know, this podcast will come out, you know, relatively soon. And in the, in this kind of wake of this show that has come out on Netflix that... And season two is coming soon. Okay, season two is coming out. 13 Reasons Why, if if you're not familiar as a listener, um, it's, it's a show that, you know, a lot of teens, when I say a lot of teens, I, I would say almost all of them yes. have in some way, shape, or form watched. Yes. And um, it, it has it's triggered a lot of things yes. um, in, in the kids. And so... As a parent myself, so as a parent of a 15-year-old now and a 13-year-old now, um, and, you know, their friend group, and they're talking about this. And sure enough, I I asked Mike, before I could even get to my kids, hey, this is a show you probably don't want to watch. We got an email from Sissy and Dave, and, you know, and the look on their face right when I said that, I realized, oh, you've watched it already. Yes. And, And so here we are parenting, and and now I get to have conversations with my kids about this show, but... It moves so fast. I mean, the, our kids are moving so fast that it's so hard for us in the wake of all this information that they're able to consume to, feel, you know, sometimes I feel like I just I'm trying to hold the ocean in my arms and it's absolutely yes. impossible. Such a great talk, description. Carlos. Talk to us as parents um, as we're trying to keep our kids on track. Dave, I'll kind of lean to you on this. Um, what what would you say to us that feel overwhelmed on just the simple fact of trying to keep my kids focused on what is right and what is good and what is honorable when it seems like we just can't hold it all. I think the first thing I would say is we feel overwhelmed with you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes. I, I think I found out about that show first from my daughter. Right. And, and Sissy and I talk so much about that. We're trying our best to stay in front of mm. what our kids are exposed to and what they're learning and what they're having conversations about. And the reality is we just can't. Yeah. Like I first learned about it from yeah. my daughter. And so with that shared, that's so much a part of not just the work we do in our offices, but a part of why we even wrote this book. Of yeah. this, anything we can do to partner with parents so to good. say, we're overwhelmed with you. Mm. This is an incredibly difficult moment to be mm-hmm. parenting kids, to be caring for kids. And that's a part of everything we do, the blog, yes. the books, the speaking, every part of that, just to say we want to be in partnership with you. And anything we can do to push out good information and make this process of caring for the kids we love feel less overwhelming, yes. we want to be about. 
That's good. No, that, and, and I think as parents appreciating hearing therapists that are trained say, hey, listen, we're rolling up our sleeves, too, and trying to stay, you know, uh, with you guys. Um, I think that's super important. In the book, um, you're, we're focusing on 12 emotional, spiritual milestones for our kids to reach. Um, Sissy, talk to us a little bit about maybe the direction that the book kind of takes us into. Well, I love what you asked a minute ago with that, too, because what I think I would hope these milestones do, we got together with Melissa and talked about what are the things that feel foundational to a child growing up in ways that are healthy in terms of Mm -hmm. having relationships as an adult, coworkers, friendships, spouses, all of the places they're going to be engaging as parents themselves. And and what feels foundational to that and what are they missing? Mm. And so we picked four things emotionally, socially and spiritually that we feel like kids are missing today that are crucial to their development. And I think what you all are saying about being behind the eight ball, that's sure what I've experienced with yep. this show is yep. so many parents. I've sat in family counseling probably five times in the last two weeks and parents have gotten mad at their kids. Why would you watch the show? And I keep saying, no, 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 that's right. our fault. Yep. They didn't know it wasn't Absolutely. was wrong to watch. Yeah. And so. Anyway, I think in light of that, we're always going to be behind the eight ball with Mm -hmm. technology today. And so how do we provide resources for these kids where they are bolstered up in a way where they can say, I have talked to so many kids who said, I watched the first four shows and had to stop. It was too much. That's Mm. what ultimately we want. We want to empower them with tools where they have their own sense of who they are um, and their own sense of faith that defines them where they can ride out the waves if they're a little ahead of us. And I think that's so much of what we're trying to do in this book. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's good. Any any thoughts on that, Dave? I was thinking as you were sharing, even as we talk about the show, just this morning a colleague of ours sent us an article, New York Post article with the brand new stats around uh-huh. teen suicide. And it's wow. terrifying. I mean the numbers yeah. have climbed again and not just the numbers for adolescents, but the numbers for elementary age children wow. who are having suicidal thoughts. I mean, it's terrifying. Wow. And and that's, again, a part of why it felt so important for us mm. to circle, circle around some milestones like perspective and resourcefulness. Uh-huh. Yeah. That in those moments, kids would feel a sense of, I can identify what I feel, figure out where that is on yep. a 1 to 10 scale, and what to do with it. Yes. Besides cutting, besides yeah, self-harm, right. besides I just want to kill myself. Right, right. And helping them build relationships, the social piece of it, build relationships that feel preventative. So they're cared for Absolutely. and walking alongside other people. Wow. Gosh. You know, and, and I think as a as a parent, um, sitting with you guys, um, again, being blessed by your ministry, you know, already, uh, and, and I think being equipped with some questions to even ask my kids. When, when, when my daughter did come to me, or when I went to her and I saw in her eyes, oh, Oh, you know about this. Oh, oh, you've actually watched this. I was able to, uh, because of some things I've learned through Daystar, um, not freak out, yes. but but actually actually say, okay, so now inside of this conversation, how can I get to some places um, where where she's at? Maybe measure scale one to ten, and so sure enough, you know, we start having the conversation. She's like, but Dad. Um, I, I want to let you know I didn't watch that last episode because my her. friend told me this and that, and so. Okay, even in it, like here I can see, okay, wow. So the middle child has this sort of perspective to where able she's able to make these decisions. She's 13. So it wasn't all freak outville for me, but, you know, so I was able to pull some things out of that. Um, yes, and that says so much about her and what a great opportunity to encourage her and yes. place her in the midst of no, that. No, no, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, in the book, um, you, you guys talk about, like, what, what's the first kind of main um, 
main thing that we need to be looking for when it comes to, okay, step one, are my kids on track? What, what do I look for? What, what is the track and how do I get them on it? Well, step one for us uh, begins the emotional milestones with a milestone we call vocabulary. Okay. And it really is just that, just helping kids, helping ourselves. If we haven't developed an emotional vocabulary, figure out how to just do that simple thing of identifying what do I feel? Okay. Because we really believe until you figure that out, yep. you can't go to that next step of figuring out what to do with it mm. or the perspective piece that we talked about. So it really begins there. And it is fascinating when you were asking the question a few minutes ago, I was thinking we begin in that chapter telling a story about a, a conversation I had with a father who is a Harvard-educated doctor. Okay who is a clear example of, I think, what we encounter every day of adults who never developed mm. or never progressed toward these yeah. milestones. And he certainly didn't have an emotional vocabulary. And as a result, he'd been highly successful vocationally and had train wrecked his marriage. Um, he had offended uh, countless individuals, nurses that he had worked wow. with in his practice who'd asked to leave. He had done a tremendous amount of damage to his relationship with his three children and just evidence of so much of what we can see. This man really progressed mm. chronologically. He never progressed emotionally, and wow. he never got to that very first milestone, that step one. So that's where we start, okay. and we try in, in this chapter and every chapter to really break it down into manageable language. In fact, okay. we detour, and we talk about what are the stumbling blocks unique to boys, mm -hmm. what are the stumbling blocks unique to girls, and then what are the building blocks for boys, building blocks for girls, and then we end every chapter with 10 easy, user-friendly uh, ideas for parents because so we get, like, we're overwhelmed. Yeah, We have plenty on our plates, right. more on our to-do list than we can do, so this book is all about how can we just move you toward things that you're already doing, uh -huh. things that are easy to just fold into the natural rhythm of your family. Love We're not that. trying to create more hard, difficult to do list things sure. you need to accomplish. A, a, another checklist on the on the thing yes. you know, to yes. pull off, uh, Sissy. So I've got boys and I have girls. Is this book gonna? You know, are there? There's not two different versions of it, right? No. But but but. Obviously, developmentally, girls and boys are going to, you know, when we hit these milestones, maybe at a different pace or yes. talk to us a little yes, bit about that. Yes, absolutely. Girls typically race ahead okay. developmentally um, in a lot of ways. But there is going to be, I mean, we teach a parenting seminar on raising boys and girls and go back and forth age by age. And, and I track pretty quickly ahead of David in terms of girls' development. But we will always have parents who come up and say, my daughter reminds me some of what you're talking about with boys. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is definitely some crossover in terms of that. But yes, and I think there are milestones that are particularly difficult for each yeah. and and that we would divert in different ways. Like one of our social milestones we talk about is boundaries. And, and when we would do each chapter, David and I would go off separately and, and write okay. about boys and girls. And, yeah. and we came back and that was the only one our editor said, hey, y'all went totally different <laughs> okay. directions on boundaries, which was so interesting. But when I, my first thought was where girls struggle with boundaries is in relationship. And, wow. and they either are crossing over all the time or don't know how to move towards others. And, and we talk about kind of those age-old questions of, am I enough or am I too much? Yeah. And, and teaching girls to have a mixture of strength and kindness in relationship, that they so can good. say things like, I want to play with you, but not when you treat me like that. Or yeah. I want to be friends, but not friends with people who act like that. So wow. to have that kind of combo felt like a really important piece of it for girls. But you went a totally different direction for mm -hmm. boys and boundaries. Where'd well, and I, I was going to even jump to another example, if I can, yeah, to absolutely. show where that would yeah. look 
so different. We have a chapter, one of the social milestones is ownership. And we talk about how in the face of failure, girls will more instinctively blame themselves Mm. and boys will more instinctively blame other people. In fact, I tell a story of my boys as early as six years of age. I remember one of my sons approaching my wife in the kitchen and saying, what did you do with my soccer cleats? (laughs) Like nothing in him thought to say, do you know where I left them? Did you see them? (laughs) You know, it was like, what did you do? And, And that I think is most instinctive. And so we talk about. There's some unique stumbling blocks for boys because it's hard for them to own their own stuff sometimes. And so that's maybe but one more example where it felt important for us to flesh out those differences Mm. with the gender. But oftentimes some of the to-do list is going to look the same. So, no, it's not like having to read two different books. Okay. No, no, no. I love that. I love that. You know, especially, honestly, if you're a parent, you know, listening right now, and this is the case for me, and I've got three kids. My two oldest are girls. And then my youngest is a boy. So in my head, because boys develop a little bit at a slower pace than girls, once I have the two girls in my system, I'm like, what is wrong with this child? (laughs) What I mean, you know, it is like, no, when she was 11 and then when the second one was 11. So what, you know, it's a great point. It it really is, you know, and, and and I appreciate that a book like this can really kind of, you know, if anything, calm us to where we can see things. Um, I think with the right perspective. One, one of the lines that you guys have in your book that I love, practice makes progress, not practice makes perfect. And what a freeing mm-hmm. idea. Well, what a freeing idea as a dad or as a mom listening um, to, to know that the goal isn't perfection, the goal is progress. Yeah. Talk to us about why that's so important. I would say these that that's as clear an example as I could think of of where these milestones are so different than the physical mm-hmm. milestones. You know, I think when we go into the pediatric visits in the early years of our life, our kids' lives, and the doctors like, are they gripping? Are they pulling up? Are they crawling? Are yeah. they walking? Yep. You know, we want to see that kids are hitting those milestones by a specific point. If they're not walking by two years of age, we're going to be concerned and yep. we're going to need to figure out what kind of support do we layer underneath. But these milestones are so different and our kids oh. are going to be progressing toward these throughout their lives. Yeah. But we can sometimes act as if, set expectations as if they should be capable mm-hmm. at a certain point. I had a mom of a nine-year-old boy say yesterday, he's melting down all the time. Yeah. And we both sat in silence for a second because I wanted her to go ahead and finish the sentence and she didn't. Like, yeah. He had missed the boat in some way. And I was like, of course he is. Yeah. And I had a 52-year-old female go off the edge of a cliff in my office yesterday. Like, we're all <laughs> still working our right. way through these right. milestones. Yeah. So practice doesn't make perfect. And we don't mm. hit this by nine years of age. But we're progressing toward That's what we want to wow. see. And even the milestones themselves can create some really cool conversations. I mm-hmm. met with my high school girls that I meet with every Thursday, and we talked through what each of them are and how they build. Yeah. And they each talked about, well, this is the one that I probably struggle with the most out of that. Oh, I never hit that one at all. Yeah. And so I think we are all still, me too, progressing toward and, and to even sit around and talk about as a family around the dinner table. What do you think about this one and where yeah. are you can be a great way to connect and learn uh, more about each other. It's it's. It's so good. Um, if I could, if I could interject a little story about my son for for just a moment, I, I, everyone that listens to the podcast has heard many stories about Losiah already because <laughs> he's a great example for me. Um, but but even yesterday, and and again, what you guys are talking about the progress thing. Yeah. Um, he's playing four squares with his sisters yesterday, and we were having a big party at our house. There's a bunch of kids in, around, and um, they're playing four square. And then Sohela, his oldest sister, fifteen year old, comes up and goes, "Hey, Dad, Losiah." 
melted down, I think was was the word she said. And he ran off this way. Heather looks at me like, it's your turn. So <laughs> I go I go walking down and, and I go and I'm looking for him around the house, can't find him. And then I find him in a tree and, and he, mm-hmm. he's in a tree in the side yard. And I go, I'm screaming, Lucia. He's like, Dad, I'm over here. So I could tell by his voice he'd, he's, he'd been done melting down by this point. He's, I said, hey, buddy, come here. And, I go, and he um, hopped down the tree and I just kind of picked him up and I go, hey. He goes, I know. And I go, I want to tell you something. First of all, I know what you did and I'm so proud of you. He goes, yeah, Dad, I walked away. I knew that he had made a decision to walk away instead of doing whatever, throwing a fit in front. He goes, I walked away. I get that. I'm so proud of you for that. But I shouldn't have said what I said before I walked away. Cause he, you know, he, he w- kind of went off on them and ah, screamed. But dad, when I was 10, I wouldn't have walked away, but I'm 11 now. And I know I'm supposed to walk away. Mm-hmm. So like, that's progress. Yes. Right. And I see progress in my kid. And I celebrated that with him and, you know, kind of looked him in the eye and really kind of had this moment of like, Losai, you're you're get, this is amazing. You're moving Growing forward. Up. Yeah, that's the whole goal. You know, progress, progress, progress. And it really, if there's anything, you know, parents need to hear out of this. You know, go pick up the book. Of course, there's going to be a lot in there, but just we're, we're looking for progress, right? Yes. That's what we're looking for yes. in these milestones is is progress. Because I know for me, as a 42 year old man, I have a hard time walking away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, and say so I'm gonna I'm gonna make them learn. I'm gonna you know prove a point, but. Um, I, I love that line, practice makes progress, because that's the goal. And yeah. really, it's not only the goal for the kid, but it's the goal for the parents as well. And that there's grace all along the way. I mean, we yeah. really went back and forth about even the track concept, because you do want to be moving towards something. Yeah. But with that, that it is more about progress and that there, God's grace is covering every bit of that track Absolutely. for them and for us as adults who mm-hmm. love them. Yeah, so good. Um there, there's different type of parents listening to this podcast. So, so we're we're not all in the same even parenting style. There's a lot of different parenting styles. You guys um, talk about some different parenting styles uh, in the book. You talk about first of all, tiger moms, <laughs> which which if I could get a definition, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Who wants to define the tiger mom? You go. Sissy. No, Dave, I was going to let you do that one. Well, I think <laughs> I think there's a lot that's been written about the tiger mom yeah. phenomena and. It's interesting. I was just watching a show recently with a tiger mom, a very okay. clear example of a mom whose intentions are probably really good, sure. loves their kids, wants good for them, but can be ferocious and protective mm. in their ability to um, care for them. And yeah. I think can be all about achievement as yeah. well. Just yeah. pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah. There's not a lot of practice makes progress within With, the mantra of the tiger mom. I, I yeah. especially wanted you to talk about them because David has a remarkable ability to trigger tiger moms oh, too. I do. When, I whether do. it's counseling or speaking, you can even tell who they are in the crowd when he's talking. Oh, really? Yes. You, they really growl fun. at me often. Yes. They, they, uh, we've got those, and then and then we've got helicopter parents. Yes. <laughs> That that was that was no. not Dave or Sissy. That was Carlos <laughs> providing that sound effect. Great sound effect. Um, and, and so I, I think everybody understands what a helicopter parent is, right? Yes. We're we're just ho- we're hovering, hovering. But then there's a new version that you guys talked about that I've never heard of. Pavers. Yes. Can you explain what a paver is, Sissy? Well, basically, a parent who's paving the road at every step for their child, oh. and and I think um, that parent can appear calmer than a helicopter parent often. But it's it's maybe born out of the same thing of mm-hmm. their own anxiety. And, and we talk a lot about that we're living in a culture where I think when we were all growing up, we weren't talking about our feelings. And so what's happening is parents are kind of swinging the opposite. And we talk 
about how parents are either over attending or under attending. And the parents okay. who are over attending are typically the paver parents. I mean, I saw, speaking of camp, a parent picked her son up from camp last summer and, and came to me and, and this, her son did not have a bee allergy. And she came up and said, did he get stung by a bee this week? And I said, no, I don't think he got stung by a bee. And she said, I'm so glad it would have ruined his whole week. That's a paver parent that's going to just at every step along the way make sure everything's okay for him. And and I think we all know we're living in this age of anxiety Mm -hmm. among kids, that it's a childhood epidemic. And and part of the bottom line for anxiety with kids or anxiety for us as adults is – for us to overcome it, we basically have to do the scary thing. Yes. And so we see a lot of kids battling anxiety whose parents are removing every item that's causing anxiety. Yeah. Which is great for the child in some ways because they're not they're not experiencing it, but they're not experiencing it. They're sure. not having to work through it rather than helping them step by step feel empowered, mm-hmm. like they can do this themselves. And so we talk one of the things we say in the book is we're so busy being their resources they don't develop resourcefulness. Wow. And so how do we help gird them with some resourcefulness to work through these mm-hmm. things where they feel like I can do this? Yeah. Um David, as Dave or David? What do you what do you prefer? I answer to both. Do you answer to both? I okay. do. I feel like I've gone back and forth in the podcast. So like I'm I'm just I'm, just, I'm making I'm sure I'm hitting, I'm hitting both you. both sides of you. Like the cool like we're homies <laughs> side, and then also the professional David. You know. So um, I'm asking the professional side of you right okay. now, David. Um, paving. You know, I, I'm I'm hearing Sissy talk about this, and I think, well, you know, as a as a as a parent, obviously I I, I want to pave a little bit. Sure. Um, but maybe I want to have some off-road pavement and some smooth pavement and some, hmm. you know, um, di- di- different types of terrain for my child to maneuver and, and get over. Um, how do we find that? How do we find a balance of of what what I would think of is I, I see that I could set my kids up for success, but I, I want to be careful not to cross the line and become become the paver parent. Mm-hmm. How, how, do, how do I walk that line to make sure that, you know. I'm, yes, guiding them, but I'm not necessarily paving. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And and I would say first, I I feel that with you. And I think, you know, if we think about the tiger mom, the helicopter parent, or the paver, like one of the things that feels so important to note is I think the desire underneath that for every one of those parents is good. The intention's sure. good. Like we want to protect and care for the kids we love. There's not a thing in the world wrong with that. Right. But there can be so many things that can get in the way. Yeah. Um, and, and oftentimes it's more about what's going on inside of us than anything else, um, than what's that's even so happening true. with our kids. Um, so I think that's important to note on the front side. I think secondly, one of the practices we talk a lot about is this magic equation of empathy and questions. Like mm-hmm. when we get stuck as parents, that's a really great safe place to land of yeah. just looking at the kids we love and saying, that looks hard. Yeah. That sounds hard. That conflict they're describing with a friend, that sounds incredibly difficult to navigate. But immediately moving toward a question, what do you want to do with that? Mm. Because I think that's the birthplace for resourcefulness. And wow. I think allows us... Is the question? Yes. I yes. think so. Like, what do you want to do with that? Mm-hmm. What's your thinking on that? With boys, I ask a lot, like, what's your strategy? Yeah. What's your game plan? Yeah. And I think there's something about those questions that not only sets the stage for resourcefulness and helps us step out of being overprotective, paving all of those things, but I think speaks to our kids being intelligent Mm -hmm. and brave 
and yeah. resilience, all the things that we want them to be. Yeah. And so if I do less of the talking and more of the listening in that conversation, it assumes those things and I think speaks to that. Like I'm asking you that question because I believe you are an yeah. incredibly smart, resourceful, brave kid. Oh, okay. Just, just for my own benefit, that was good. That was good mm-hmm. to hear. Uh, and I know a lot of the listeners are, you know, sitting here thinking, okay, well, I've got um, – Across the spectrum, two years old to 18 years old, you know, we're, we're, we're parenting across the spectrum on our podcast. Sissy, you guys talk about um, kids ages 7 to 12 are primarily asking one or two, or I think two questions is what, yes. what you guys say they are. Um, can you talk about what these questions are that they're asking and then maybe help us as parents not go to extremes when we're answering them? Yes, they are asking, am I loved and can I get my own way? And the confusing piece of it is, as you said, they're asking them at the same time. Yeah. And and I think we can lean towards, yes, you're loved, and we take away any sense of our own real parenting, that we become so nurturing that they don't see us as stronger than they are and bigger than they are. And right. that's something we would say across the board for every age. Kids, kids feel more secure when they feel like their parent is the one that's stronger. Wow. And so boundaries create security with kids. It makes them feel safer. And so... Yes, they're loved, and no, they can't get their own way. Yeah. And to only say, no, you can't get your own way, and no, you can't get your own way, they can miss the nurturing piece of it mm-hmm. so often, and, and then they don't hear us yeah. in the same way. And so stepping into both of those places, just like you did with Losiah when mm-hmm. you went out to the tree, and I mean, you didn't even have to say much because he knows no, and he trusts knew. you. Yeah, yeah but, but you're saying nobody, you're, you know, you're not going to melt down right. in the, you don't have to melt down in those ways anymore, and I don't want you to talk like that mm-hmm. without even saying too many words because he already knows, but you're saying, yes, you're loved, and no, you can't get your own way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're loved, and no, you can't get your own way. Yes. Vital. Absolutely. Um, okay, so wrapping up the conversation with you guys, first of all, thank you so much. This has been so, so good, um, and we're, we're super grateful for what you guys do at Daystar uh, in, in Hopetown, and um, we love to end these podcasts. Um, it's called Parent Q because we love to give parents cues. Um, so if you had to narrow it down, I'm going to ask each of you this question. So I'll go Sissy, you first, and then Dave, you second. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to narrow it down to just to, to one thing, uh, to one cue, what would you encourage a parent to do this week? So whatever week they're listening to the podcast uh, to help their child reach these milestones that you guys have talked about. If you just kind of had to narrow it down to one thing. Well, I'll speak from a girl's perspective on perspective, because I think that's one of the most challenging ones for girls. And as we've been talking so much about in this day and age, one that they're losing the most. Mm. And, and when we think about emotions, we do think about them on a one to 10 scale. And we know life happens in the two to seven ranges. And, and so what we're seeing happen more is when the things that are two, threes, and fours happen to them, little things along the way that are mm-hmm. difficult. Somebody, not somebody's bullying them, but somebody says a little something unkind, or they don't get their way on something mm-hmm. small. They are registering eight, nine, and 10 responses, right. often 10. And so I will talk a lot about in my office, and we encourage parents to talk about a scale. And because I work with girls so much, I've started calling it a drama monitor. <laughs> not that we would call it that with them, but thinking about a one to 10 scale and saying to them, girls or boys, in a moment that they're doing okay, that nothing's happening, yeah. what would be a 10 for you? And so they name the the most anxiety provoking or the thing that would make them the angriest, whatever emotion they kind yep. of battle the most, what that is on the scale. And then that way, when they get in the car after school and they've had a day where they say, this is the worst day I've ever had in my whole life to say, oh, go back to that empathy. 
gosh, it sounds like a really hard day. I'm so sorry. Mm. What, what number do you think it was on your scale? Yeah. Not in a sarcastic, you know, what number was that on the scale? But to say, what number do you think that was? So they immediately Good. have this sense of perspective. Yeah, mm. I love that. I love that. Dave with the boys. I would say with the boys, I'm going to take my cue from the amazing Lasai Whitaker oh. because I love that story for a lot of reasons. But what he did in that moment is so much what I am wanting to coach boys toward and what I'm wanting to coach parents of boys oh. toward. And and that magic equation I call time and space. Okay. And I, I talk about how easy it is for us as males to get, I call it drunk on emotion. Mm-hmm. And when we are feeling the intensity, a lot of times it has a physicality to it. Yes. It's why boys are so prone to yelling, screaming, yeah. hitting, kicking, biting right. as toddlers. And so that equation of time and space and, and the wisdom of Lasaya recognizing for himself, I need to walk away. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll even have boys sometimes watch ESPN footage. Like, do you notice uh-huh. athletes who've mastered that practice, yeah. put their hands on their hips and they start walking up and down the yep. court because they know if I don't, I'm going to bow up against right. the referee and get thrown out of this game. Yep. I'm going to punch another player and end up in the penalty box, whatever it may be. Like something bad's going to happen. Yeah. So I think that equation, and there's even a a blueprint that I put in the book to kind of help make that easy to do with boys and giving them some ownership Mm -hmm. and kind of creating a space so that they figure out where to go in those moments. Um, Because you're right, I know 40-something-year-old men who have not mastered that practice of walking away, and they do a lot of damage with their words. Yeah. Wow. Um, in those moments. So good. So good. Thank you guys so Thank much. You, this Carly. has been so Thank good. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. We, we love it. If, if anyone wants to, you know, get a hold of the book, Are My Kids on Track? Is it available? Amazon-ish, Amazon-ish wherever? Amazon-ish, wherever. wherever. Yes. And we All have a things. website that's RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. And okay. You can- Get linked to it there as well. Raisingboysandgirls.com. And then if they want to find out more information about just Daystar and your ministry and kind of what you guys do, where can they go find that stuff out? They go to raisingboysandgirls.com. It'll link them straight to okay. Daystar as it's well. All there. That might be the easiest place to travel. Okay, perfect. Raisingboysandgirls.com. Dave, Dave, <laughs> and Sissy, um, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here on Parent Key Live. Thank you. And back to the podcast. What a great conversation, Carlos. Thank you so much for that with David and Sissy. They have so much wisdom. I'm just, I'm fascinated listening to the conversation, thinking about my own kids, some Mm. of the things that we're wrestling with, struggling with as a family. I can't stop thinking about this idea of kind of helping your kids name their emotional scale. Right. Uh, And getting into that moment and just saying, okay, are we dealing with a a zero to a 10 here? I want to go back home right now and put that into practice in my own house. Yes. So I think that's our cue for this week. That is. I mean, our cue for this week is just to go talk to your kids and go, okay, when you're dealing with maybe a negative emotion, fear, anger, anxiety, Mm. to help them be able to name, is this a zero? Is this a three? Are we dealing about with a 10 here? Yeah. Um, Because when you can get them to name that, then you know what you're dealing with as a parent. So good. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so important um, that, that we know, you know, I mean, one through 10 scales, they're so valuable. They're so simple, yeah. but they're so valuable. And in the moment, it's always a 10. Uh, right. But I love being able to, you know, get back and have that conversation later. So that's a great cue. And as a parent, I'm thinking, okay, if, if my daughter says I'm at a 10 right now, that's my cue to go, okay, this is not a teachable moment. Right. <laughs> this is not the time that I reinforce the rule. Yeah. This is a time for us to 
back up off the 10, yep. get back down to a three or a two, yeah. then we can lean in and start having different kind of conversation. Absolutely. Love absolutely. It. So if you guys want more um, of this content, you know, Dave and Sissy's book, Are My Kids On Track? It's available right now. Wherever books, books are sold, you can go to Amazon, you can download it on your Kindle. If you guys want, make sure that you go to our website, www.parentq dot org slash episode 35 and there we'll even put a link there that you guys can go and click on to purchase the um the book or you guys can download the show notes and we'll have various links there as well uh, it's been another great conversation that we've had for you guys hopefully you guys continue to enjoy these podcasts make sure that you like the podcast on itunes make sure you tell your friends and your family and your cousins and your aunts and your uncles all about it we would love to hang out with them as well and we will see you next time on parent q live